Hey all, a quick note before we get started that Sean Ryan has a new show hitting CBS Thursday, November 2nd at 10 p.m. SWAT. I've seen the pilot. It is good. I highly recommend it. You can watch it on CBS.com, CBS Hell Access, or again, watch it on CBS Broadcast Thursdays at 10 p.m. starting November 2nd. And with that, on to this episode of Word Tetris. <laughs> John Ryan, how are you doing today? I'm very good, Meryl. How are you doing? I'm good. You, well, yes, I'm, I'm so impressed because I found out last night that you got timeless back in Los Angeles. Well, not back in Los Angeles. Not back. You got, it to, Los you got to Los Angeles for the first, you got a, you got a production to come to LA. Yeah. We, we moved uh, from Vancouver to, uh, to Los Angeles, um, which, which I think was the right thing for, for that particular show. Um, you listen, I loved Vancouver. It was it was gorgeous, and 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 the people were amazing up there. Um, we we just found that in our situation, uh, there were just kind of too many productions up there. Um, it really stretched crews really thin. Um, you know, it was kind of hard on some of our actors. We you know we have uh, we have an actress who has a, a son that goes to school in Los Angeles, and you know that made it hard on her to be away. And so the opportunity uh, to move down to Los Angeles and, and film the second season was was something that we were really excited about. Now the reason I bring it up is I'm curious does it does the not having to travel to extravagant places like Vancouver. <laughs> um, does it make your life easier as a writer? Do you find you have more time to work on the scripts? Well, that's interesting. I wouldn't say it makes my life easier. And really, the move isn't about making my life easier or harder. Uh, as as a producer, I've I've been able to sort of handle shows that have filmed in town, like uh, The Shield or The Unit. But I've also had shows that have you know gone off pretty swimmingly uh, in other cities, whether it was Terriers in San Diego or Mad Dogs in Puerto Rico, or the Chicago Code in Chicago. So it's not necessarily that I'm opposed to it. And what I would argue is that it actually kind of, it probably actually makes my job a little harder and more time intensive in that suddenly there's no excuse for me not to attend certain things. You know, when you're down in LA and and and, and there's a table read happening in Vancouver, well, you can't be there. But if there's a table read happening in LA, you know, for instance, uh, SWAT, our new show that's going to be on CBS starting in November, that films in L.A. And tomorrow I'll be traveling up to set um, to do um, the table read, to do a director tone meeting in person. And so while there, inevitably, I'll spend some time on set sort of watching some of the filming as well. So so that's time that, you know, that I'm taking away from the writer's room, from the editing room. It's very valuable. I'm not complaining about it. It's great that I get to do it but it actually sort of adds to my workload but I but ultimately I think uh, having the writers closer to the production I think is is for the most part a very good thing so the reason we're here is I have become fascinated with the uh, process of the re of rewriting you know I feel like there's enough podcasts that cover the concept of creation on a script and writing the first draft and then kind of what to do 
when you want it when it comes time to sell it to get a job off it but i feel like there's this crucial point between those two things where you you labor you can labor over a script um be it a pilot or an episode or a spec or a feature and i'm so curious what because you actually had posted a few years back something that i was interested in which was there was this pen that you love to use in when you're marking up a script and the pen company that made it had discontinued the pen and then you 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 labored over trying to get a box of the pens and i'm just so curious like is it is there, is the rewriting process that specific for you that it requires even like that unique of a pen? Um, uh, for me, and some of it's just comfort level, and some of it may uh, just be a certain amount of uh, obsessive compulsion. Yes. Um, Look, uh, I can't. I won't. I won't write without like music, without, like hard rock music playing. Like. Yeah. Well, I'll take you through my process because interestingly, I was doing this very thing uh late into the night last night there was a script that um that we're gonna turn into the network and studio today for episode 108 of swat so episode nine of the series and um you know it had been through uh, a few passes with uh the writer of the episode uh a guy who's a staff writer on the show um so he did a first draft and i gave notes and he did a second draft and i gave notes and then he did a third draft and i gave my sort of final notes and and so then he turned in that script and and it was getting closer and closer and the second draft was real good so i i was pretty confident that um you know that the next pass you know would be real close and and that i'd probably be able to sort of knock out you know my my producer's polish in a couple hours and and that turned out to be true so last night so my process is my family goes to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I need dead silence. <laughs> my family goes to sleep. I'm at my house. I've eaten dinner. The family goes to sleep. No one's ringing my phone. I uh, I, I always stick the script. You know, I've, you know, the scripts are always uh, printed out on three uh, hole punch paper. I put it into this sort of one inch binder that I have. Um, I get out my blue pens. I have about fifteen of them all in my bag that I carry with me everywhere. I'm always losing some. I have a dog at my house who, if if I leave one of these pens laying around, she'll chew it and she'll spill ink all over furniture or rugs. And I can't tell you how much damage this dog has done because of the pens I insist on using. Um, I, uh, I just about... Two, three months ago for the first time, got um, wireless headphones for the first time. That's exciting because I always used to have the sort of wired headphones and, and they would sort of get my way a little bit as I was doing my thing. But now I have the wireless headphones. I have a couple different playlists that I'll play. And it's not necessarily my favorite music that I would listen to recreationally. It's music that is designed for me to be able to kind of zone out more than anything else so one playlist is just called um christmas because it's christmas music and i'll just listen to sort of old timey or sometimes new timey um sort of classic christmas carols have you ever heard the like the uh the metal version of oh god damn it like it's that song carol the bells carol the bells there's there's a heavy metal version of carol the bells i have not although carol the bells is literally my favorite christmas carol song and so i have about six seven different versions of it on this playlist i've got one that's all bass on my phone 
<laughs> and then there's another playlist that sometimes I'll use uh, called I call it Cheese Fest, and and it's all sorts of like cheesy '70s and '80s <laughs> songs that you know that I grew up with, and that I can really sort of zone out. You know, I'll go, I'll go from anything from like you know Barry Manilow to Journey, um, you know, to the Violent Femmes. Uh, normally, I like to go to our dining room table. Um, to sort of do this. Um, I have a daughter in high school who works really hard at homework, and occasionally she'll be doing her homework at the dining room table, and sometimes I'll sit down and we'll kind of support each other as she does her work, and I'll do my work. Last night, though, she uh, she was done with her homework. And also, last, you know, we, we are now actually having huge sort of uh, plumbing problems in our house <laughs> at the moment. So the dining room um, is sort of all torn up, and the and the dining room table is covered up. So, so I had maybe to go, not the best place for physical So I had to go to a breakfast paper. nook table last night. <laughs> I stick the script Isn't that so, Here's the thing, like, I don't know, over time, as the years have gone on, I become more comfortable with my space not being locked down. Right. Like, my space can move as long as the device, like, as long as I'm on the MacBook, it doesn't really matter where the MacBook is anymore. It used to be, I had to be at the desk, I had to be, you know, surrounded by my things, with the not listening to music on headphones, but on speakers. That has slowly begun to become less important. Yeah, I've I've evolved as well. When at least with writing, it used to be that I would have to do it on a on a desktop, on a laptop, and I'd have to have a certain kind of keyboard. I liked very tactile loud keyboards mechanical keyboards where i could sort of really hear the buttons that were being pushed and then about four or five years ago i looked around and was like well this is really inconvenient that i'm (laughs) that i have to be in this one spot to write in in this modern world and and i adapted to to a laptop and now I'm, i'm used to doing that but we all have our creature comforts and we all have our habits that we get into and and so yeah so last night so i take out the script i put on the christmas music i got my blue pen out and I just try to sort of escape the world. And I go through the script from, you know, page one. And I've got, you know, I have a blue pen. When I when I got my first staff job on, on Nash Bridges, um, John Worth, who was number two on the show, who would often take the f- sort of first pass at notes on whatever script you wrote, um, he would always do it in red pen. And it always and, – and there was nothing worse than sort of getting your script back and seeing, like, this immense amount of red ink um, – you know, on what you're doing, but you, you learn the lesson. just screams elementary school failure. It's, just, it's, it's primal <laughs> it, in a way. The red ink to me was very, seemed very punitive. And I, I think, you know, and John will be the first to tell you, I think, I think he took, you know, a little pleasure in the red ink. So, <laughs> so when I got my first show running job on The Shield, and now I had to be the person sort of, you know, polishing and marking up scripts. I decided that blue was sort of a friendlier. Well, color. it doesn't feel like you're being yelled at when you see something in blue. Red right. makes it feel like you. Like I had a friend. Mar- like I, my last sample, I had a, did the first draft and then sent it out for notes. And I had a friend do make a bunch of notes in his computer, all in red. And I'm like, this feels like you're yelling at me. Yes. The red- <laughs> The red really does feel like you're back in in grade school and that you didn't study for a test. Right. So Um, you take not only – so it's not just you as a showrunner. You're also taking into account what does the – how is this rewrite going to feel to the – like you have this script and I guess you did all the notes that way. So it's like your writers are getting this in blue ink and I'm like, have you – did you – 
do you feel like there's a warmer response from them as far with those you'd notes? have to ask them um you know i'm not sure that as the boss uh you know you know to you or to my face they'll say very nice things how they secretly feel about you know getting getting these scripts uh yeah i know there are times where i'll change something that they that they liked and they thought would work and um and then i think there'll be some times where they would acknowledge that oh yeah sean you you were able to make it better um you know we're all sort of proud of our work and nobody and i've been i've been on both ends of it no one you know no one loves it when you know when you've got a boss kind of polishing and rewriting you um i think you have to be professional and understand that um you know that it's for the good of the show as far as the showrunner is concerned now i i do think different showrunners have different approaches i think there are some showrunners who just want their writers to get a draft close enough that they can kind of really do their own major writing on it and i'm not necessarily a fan of that my goal is for the writer of the episode to to be able to get as much of what is ultimately going to be shot on the page as possible i'll i'll fill in the blanks and i'll i'll fill in where it's necessary but i'm always rooting for the writer um to be successful on a script um nothing makes me happier than to only have to spend an hour hour and a half polishing a script you know if there's one where i've got to spend six seven eight hours you know then i begin to wonder whether you know the notes i gave a week earlier were useful you know could could i have done something differently to have led them in a more productive direction because you know you're you're paying a lot of attention to these writers you hire you're you're hiring them based off scripts that you like um so they've shown they have some talent now it's a different thing to be able to write for you and to write for your show so some of that may be on them but i take it as being on me i have to you know these are talented people and it's my job to guide them to a successful script and if i get a script that's not as successful i sort of beat myself up a little bit and what is that process like when you're writing your own script well and this is something I tell them as well. And it's something I learned when I was on the other end of it, because, you know, you would, you know, you would just obsess over a script and you'd obsess over certain lines, um, you know, or if you were in the writer's room with the other writers breaking a story, you'd sort of figure out these moments and you'd spend hours and hours and hours. And when I was on Nash Bridges, you know, the big boss there was Carlton Cuse, or when I was on Angel, Joss Whedon was the big boss. And in both cases, these guys would sort of come in and you'd sort of pitch what you had. And it seemed like they could immediately like figure out what the flaw was in the story and provide a fix, or you'd turn a script in and they, and it would come back with their rewrites and you'd be like, Oh my God, that moment's so much better. Why didn't I think of that? But what David Mamet, when I worked with him always explained was it's always much, much easier to rewrite than it is to write. I've begun to feel that way. I used to not feel that way because I used to, uh, this is part of the evolution. I hated the rewriting process up until about a year ago. And then I started to realize that, oh, no, this is way easier. This is a thousand times easier. When you're, but when, only when you're doing it correctly. What, there is an incorrect way to rewrite, I, have, I believe. The way I was doing it at the time was like I'd stare at the script and just kind of like keep 
going through it from front to back over and over again. I'm like, I've now begun to realize, no, that's not so much it. It's like, yeah, you maybe this is always passes, but there's more like you have to pinpoint what are the things that don't fit on this script like a glove. And those are the things that need to change. And then those things start to change. And then you start to realize, oh, here's where the pieces weren't falling into place. And I'm curious what that that experience is like for you. Well, I dread the um, blank page. And so I find it really hard to, you know, to write that first draft. But once I have it and I have something on paper that I can now sit down in front of with a blue pen, I kind of get excited about it and and my process is thus i um i stop being the writer of the episode and i begin being a critic of the episode and what i put on a very ruthless hat and say to myself if somebody were to read this script and that somebody really didn't like me and was really looking for flaws in this script, what would they find? And I go through it and I'm, and I'll just be like, you know, that's bullshit. And that line's really awful. And this, you know, and I'll be really, really hard on myself. Therapy with Sean Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be really hard on myself and hard on the script and then try to fix it. And only at the point when I can go through the script and in my mind, not see obvious things that somebody hated me would be able to point out about a script. Am I really sort of comfortable sort of publishing it and showing it to the outside world? When you're going through and you're putting on that hat, is it important? How do you know the difference between I'm being harsh on myself for the sake of being harsh and this really is problematic? Like, because you can you can really go down a rabbit hole in that kind of mindset. Well, this is where it comes down to taste, right? And this is where... Writing is a combination of something that it's a craft that you can get better at. At the same time, it's a craft that some people have more of a natural talent than others have, right? I'm not sure that Aaron Sorkin worked harder at being a writer than everyone else in the world. He's got some natural ability um, that sort of makes him stand out as a writer. Um, So, you know, you have to hope that you've been born with a certain instilled sense of taste that's going to match up with the audience that ultimately is going to consume um, your product. And then on top of that, you want to apply your craft and your skill, um, you know, with a certain um, amount of, of effort. There can be talented writers who are lazy who don't succeed. And there can be very industrious writers who aren't talented that don't succeed. You've got to both be talented and industrious, I think, to succeed. That's true. But the talent part of it, to me, stops when you enter rewriting. Because the rewriting part is is really about craft and efficiency, to me. Would you agree with that? I would not completely agree with that. I understand what you're saying. I, I think it... I think it does require talent. It's just a slightly different talent than the writing process. Um, you know, part of the rewriting is you're trying to come up with better lines than than you have in certain spots. How and great that- is it when you achieve that moment? Though, like I had one of like three months ago, and I was like, "Oh my god, that was the missing part of the script. <laughs> That's what I needed. Where was this six months ago?" Um, it you know, it's 
it's great when you come up with a line where you know where you know that that line's never going to change. What was like? What's like a notable experience for you in the last few years? Um, so basically, everything post Shield. What's been? What was like a really good moment where you like kind of almost like you stopped for the day? You're like, you know what? I I, I, I need to just put this down right now because I really got this right. Like, what was like a good example of that? Um, recently, and this is something that I co-wrote, so I didn't, you know, solo write it. Um, but we've been working, I've been working with, uh, Bob Odenkirk, um, and a, and a writer named Eileen Myers. The three of us have been working on this. Uh... To hear the rest of this episode, head on over to patreon.com slash word Tetris.